Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. This episode also contains minor spoilers for Tetsuo the Iron Man, The Neon Demon, Rubber, Hobo with a Shotgun, and The Host. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies, which when they are over, you are glad that they are over, and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure. I will talk about it so that I don't have to see it again or whatever. So in a way, our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine. We wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap. We had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I am joined by Patrick. How are you doing, Pat? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Good. Yeah. So... Apparently, you said you are going to trash talk me as soon as we started. Okay, only briefly. Can I throw back to a previous episode of your show? I was debating really hard whether to do this on All Downhill and make it just entirely a reference to your show or do it on this. Uh, But I saved a part to trash talk you on All Downhill, too. Okay, great. (laughs) As long as I'm getting um, trash talked on both shows, at least it'll get released on one of them. Ouch. But accurate. (laughs) No, hey, you trash talked me pretty hard on uh, the episode I'm bringing up. Uh, Neon Demon. Okay. Uh, You're wrong. That's it. We can move on. No, okay, so you're right. It's terrible. In fact, I think you rated it too high. I, I you know <laughs> what? It, in in thinking back on it, I probably did rate it too high. You are actually correct. I, I, I know why you did, all right? It's because you're a simp for something with good stylized gore. And it has that. Yes, it and does. And you're, and this is a totally legitimate thing to be, a simp for Keanu Reeves. Yes. He didn't do enough for me in that movie because he's not in it that much. But no one is. I only wanted to bring up Neon Demon because the whole time I listened to you talk about it, I thought, you know, you're so close. Here's my issue, and here's here's what I think you missed. Okay. okay. And here's why that's an issue. You, at the end of the episode, were, spent a lot of time talking about how the movie would, how it would have been better if there had been aliens or demons or what's-her-name, and Ruby had turned out to be a real witch, right? Yeah. Okay. Very minor aside, I think Ruby is supposed to be a real witch. Uh, uh, apparently. So I've had a conversation with someone else Since, who oh, is also this? On, okay. this, on this show. Uh, occasionally and basically they said like no like refin does a lot of like uh a lot of this where everything is the story itself is a metaphor like that's yes. how he does okay, stories. yes because that's what i was gonna say is that's your problem is your ways to fix the movie i think would have made it would have made it worse they might have made a good movie they wouldn't have made a good movie out of neon demon because the one thing neon demon has is a strength i think it still sucks as a movie i want to be really clear on that 
But the one thing it does have a strength is that you kept saying uh, the main character is a MacGuffin, basically. Yeah. And nothing really happens in it. And this is why I'm really interested to see what you think of it when you see one of his other movies. Because that's all of his movies. They're not. It's not even that they're metaphors. He doesn't... You talked about how none of his characters are strong. I think what you'll see... I think you should watch at least one of his other movies. Not because they're good, but because I think it'll make it more clear. It's not even that he does metaphors. All of his characters are archetypes. They're not characters. They're just the archetype with the character removed from it. Huh. Ruby is like an archetype of this, you know, evil witch controlling things in the background, which is why she never really overtly does any of that. Um, the main chick is an archetype of the perfect innocent girl who gets swept up in the evil world of modeling and, you know, it transforms her and literally, as you say, eats her alive. Um, but the reason she has so little character development is she is an archetype. And I think if it had been the first movie of his I'd seen, I might have the same thoughts you had that know what this movie's missing is more plot. But I think as much as I didn't like it, more plot would hurt it more because, archetypes is the only thing it does if you it's why um only god forgives drive and valhalla rising are a trilogy because the main character in all three he says is the same person even though it's three different characters played by three different actors. okay i wasn't sure how they were connected they are, I knew yeah, it was they, a are loose... they are three different even though gosling is in two of them gosling does not play the main character in only god forgives mm. or he doesn't play the character he is in drive is the main character in valhalla rising there's also a character in Only God Forgives who is that character. He's not as main. Gosling is still sort of the main. But he's the the central sort of point. And he's supposed to be, by Reffin's own admission, the archetype of violence. So it's it's really... Okay. Everything he... Once you see another one of those movies, I think you'll pick it up a lot more. Okay, um, that makes more yeah. sense now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm I don't know that I would like it. a good it. movie. No, and I, that's why I don't think you'll <clears throat> like his other movies either. Because if you didn't like Neon Demon because it's basically archetypes with no real plot i think you won't like the others for the same reason what i would say is you should watch either only god forgives which you incorrectly said i hated i don't hate that one as much i hate i hate valhalla rising you got that one right that i hate valhalla yes. Rising. okay only i wasn't sure you... i forgive a lot because i'm around god okay sip. that that was that was what <laughs> yeah. i was remembering is that you like much I like how valhalla i rising. sim yeah. for keanu reeves you I sim, sim for, for gosling yeah, gosling. god love the gods it's but, it's absolutely uh, fair uh, I'd watch either Only God Forgives or Drive. And part of me wants to say you should watch Only God Forgives because it's way more of a Reffin movie. Like, it is such a movie of archetypes and metaphors and nothing happening. However, depending on how much you're looking to punish yourself, you actually should watch... The, I would also say just watch Drive because of all of his movies. No, Drive's actually good. <laughs> like, Drive's actually, like, it, it just works because it's the kind of story where it doesn't matter that there's not that much story to it. It's sort of generic, like, let's have some violence and a little revenge tossed in. And it doesn't matter that nothing else is happening in it because that's what you're there for. It's Taxi Driver. Yeah. It's just okay. Taxi Driver. Well, and that's fine. I mean, like I said, it was just, there was so much in Neon Demon. There was so much, like, good, oh, yeah. amazing, like, He's, gore uh, aesthetic that was happening. I, I think his aesthetic is amazing. He's... It's very shocking that he's not an A24 guy. Yeah. Because it's also funny that he's colorblind. Yes. <laughs> which I was um, shocked. It, only God forgives you will have the equal effect. You it'll it's shocking that he's colorblind with how many how much he uses them in that. Um Valhalla Rising and Drive Less So. I, I now I would also say you mentioned his early movies. I've never seen Pusher, but I've heard it's very good, though a totally different kind of movie. I have seen Bronson. Bronson's really good, but it is it does it's not it's not I mean, the same. It, it, well, yeah, because Bronson can't be about archetypes like most of his movies. Because it's are. actually it's like about a, a real dude. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and also to continue to simp, I mean Tom Hardy. 
what's yeah, not to like. Yeah. Um, that was probably going to be my next one. If I didn't do, it was either going to be Bronson or Pusher. Because I figured Neon Demon was closer to the Oh, yeah. If you're, like, like, if you're going to do a different him movie, like I said, haven't seen Pusher, can't say it for sure, but have seen Bronson. Um, the best thing you can say about it is Bronson himself loved his depiction in it. Oh, so well. it's, you know, and uh, it isn't the best Tom Hardy as a mobster movie, I don't think, but it, I mean, he's not a mobster. He's just a prisoner, really, who beats people up. Um, it, it's not as good as the one, I don't remember what it's called, where, where Hardy plays twins. Oh, um... God, I don't remember the name. Yeah, but you know of what that. I'm talking. I know about. the one you're talking about. Wait, like leaps and bounds better. But Bronson is still. It's a really good Tom Hardy movie. Cool. So anyway, that's that's my only rip on you. Is I'm like, I think you missed the point, and your attempts to make it better would have been a good movie, but they wouldn't have fixed that movie because it would have missed what that movie, what Neon Demon is. The problem is, I'm not even sure there is a way to make that kind of movie right. And if there is. It, it, I don't even. I'm not even really. As much as I hate a lot of his movies, I'm not even really hitting on Reffin when I say this. You'd basically need to be like Orson Welles. Like I don't. Mm, I mm. feel like you need that. If you're going to make a movie where every character is just an archetype, hollow, almost no story, you need to be like so on your game. And I just don't think there's that many directors. You know what I mean? Like again, if you're going to compare somebody to Wells, you're going to say Wells has to do it. You're basically saying you need the biggest guns there are. Full stop. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I know where we're, where we're going. We're, we're going... Oh, no, no. We're, we're too close for missiles. We're, <laughs> and now we're, you're going to bring up a movie that is at the opposite end of the spectrum. We're, we're going to go... But yeah, before we do that, though, I did, <laughs> I did want to I did want to ask you, and I was going to maybe segue. I guess we don't really have to, because we already talked ad nauseum about what your favorite uh, Reffin film was and why you, why you hate him right. for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just going to throw this one out here. Uh, before we get into the actual movie we're talking about, which is... Uh, again, completely opposite. We're, we're ditching the pretension end and going full trash. Yeah. So, in, in the effort to to sort of soften the blow in okay. between to cushion it, okay. I'm going to ask you to get an idea of where your headspace is when it comes to movies, just in general. What's your favorite sports film? Oh, hmm. Um, it's toss up. It's either Goon or Slapshot. Ooh, Goon is actually on my list too. Okay. Goon is probably. If I'm going to go, like, the nostalgia route, right, yeah. I'm probably going to say um, Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is or, great. Which, which is an amazing movie. I think it's, honestly, is probably my favorite John Candy film. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it, it's great. Uh, or probably Space Jam. I also... That's fair, yeah. A, 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 a shout out to, although I don't think it's quite as good, but Mighty Ducks. Like, those are sort of my nostalgia trinity right there. Oh, the, yeah, those are good options. Um, those are good options. But you're right. I think Goon is one of my favorites, but I think my all-time favorite, and I had to think about this for a little bit, because when I wrote the question, I'm like, what would I actually say? I think it's actually Green Street Hooligans. Also a great choice. Which, also a great choice. Because but... it, it borders on being just this... It, I think it is a sports movie because it that sports are at the core of what this movie is. Even though it's not really about the sport. Even though it's not about the sport, it's about the people around it. Green Street Hooligans is a hard one because I'd never think of it when I'm thinking of sports movies. But I think it is, it definitely is one. It's just, I'd be more likely to lump it in, actually, of all things, with probably a movie like Fanboys. The one about the guys going to the, I think, Star, Star Wars convention? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because it, yeah. it's a movie about being a fan of things. It just also happens to be a great brawler, and it also happens to be a great sports movie. Yeah. But, but it's a movie about being a fan. It's also a movie about fitting in, and it's about a lot. It's it's a wholesome family film. <laughs> I, everything I can say about it makes it sound like a wholesome family film, except for the brawler part. 
Yeah, um, you know, the 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 ultra violence. Oh. Imagine imagine if you will, if you if you cross like any sort of like just generic sports film but with a clockwork orange. Yeah. That's what it is. So, yeah, if we're including it, I'd say if I was going to do top 5, it'd be like Slapshot and Goon fighting for places 1 and 2. Uh, Green Street Street Hooligans would probably be three or four. I'd throw in there Moneyball also at three or four. Mm. Uh, another very different look at a sports yeah, movie. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I, just to have a fifth one, and the, and this is the only reason I said to have five, I'd probably throw Remember the Titans in because it's not really my type of movie. I'm not into like the emotional drama kind of movies, but it is a, a very sports movie, sports movie, and it yeah. is... I think as far as a movie of that type goes manages to do it without being really super cheesy, which a lot of sports movies have the problem of like, look, Rudy's yeah. a classic for whatever reason, but Rudy's kind of cheesy. It's pretty cheesy. You know I mean? If I'm going to go like the straight laced sports movie route, yeah. I'm going to go miracle. Oh yeah. Another great, great yeah. option. Which great, again, great. I, I think and we both skew towards hockey as you guys oh, yeah. can tell yeah. probably. And well, and you know, Miracle's got Kurt Russell. What what are you not? Gonna yeah, what? Well, yeah, what? <laughs> why are you not gonna watch that? Right, one? right. Yeah, solid, solid. Cool. Well, that hopefully that cushioned the blow and the transition enough for me to go well, launch into my. This is a sports my... movie, right? Uh, maybe. I'm waiting for your synopsis to insist it is one. <laughs> uh, I I almost went that way. Okay, but I went. <laughs> you, you'll you'll see in a minute which way I went. Uh, so the the summary here. After years of fighting America's enemies and her wars, Captain America has been forced into an early retirement due to his problematic views on interracial marriage. He lays down his shield and takes up his keyboard to fight his own war. A culture war. It's the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> I like that this one at least sort of like, that fits the title really well. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, what could I do here? Oh no, oh no, Captain <laughs> America is problematic. Which, realistically... If you think about it, because of the time he was born and because he was frozen, he probably would have some strong opinions on interracial marriage. He would. And if anybody was going to make a Captain America movie where that was the gag, <laughs> it would be Lloyd Kaufman. Yes. Uh, which, you know, this is a 1984. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz directed it. It was a dual directorship yeah, uh, yeah. there. So uh, I know you've seen a bit of this, and I've seen clips here and there. This is like an early... Yeah. This is like a, I've, so sort of I've like a seen... middle... Of, the road trauma film i don't know when sort of like the era was this but... is the trauma film that people who don't like despite being very trauma this is the trauma film that people who don't like trauma films still often see i think that's the best way to yes it. It, it's I, the we, most it's not palatable but it's palatable it's palatable enough i and it's funny because i think i've seen a fair amount of trauma films or trauma films however you want to say it but I think I've seen them at parties, and I really haven't been paying attention to them. I'm, I'm trying them. to think of which ones I've seen, but this is definitely not one of uh, them. Poultry Geist. I've seen Citizen Toxie, which is, I think, Toxic Avenger 3, but I've never watched the first one in its entirety. Um, I've seen Tromeo and Juliet, the one James Gunn uh, got his... For, it was his first movie he Oh, on. I might have seen that one. Um, yeah. The, the one where it's in modern day and Romeo and Juliet are really, really explicitly related and bang anyway. Um, mm -hmm. it's a, I, I've seen a reason, I've, I've seen a reasonable number of, of trauma films. Sure. Um, they're, they're a thing. Yeah. I feel cause I, I ran with a crew in college who basically were like, they would, they would have as many 
movies as they, you know, movie nights as they could. And then a lot of times, you know, I, if I didn't show up right away, they'd be in the middle of something. So I'd show up, you know, with some drinks and then we'd have drinks and then I'd be like, well, what are we watching? And I'd only pay half attention to. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, you know, as you do in college. So that was sort of one of the things where I'm like, I, I think that they had a lot of nights where they did trauma films, but like, I don't remember which ones I've seen. That's perfect. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain that they didn't see this one because this was like one that they had all seen. So they're like, we're not going to watch it because we've all seen it. So I think. And again, not having seen Toxic Avenger, but knowing that it's one that did reasonably well among mainstream, some mainstream critics. I want to say Roger Ebert maybe liked it. Like, I think there's at least one or two very mainstream critics who liked it. So I can't say, I feel like this will be different for the average viewer than those, because it's weird. The reason I've seen a lot of trauma films through is I put on a lot of movie nights in college, and I, I was the guy who pulled out the gross, I, people oh, yeah. were like, why the hell are you watching this movies? But I never put on a trauma film because a lot of those were like, the, this is the limit at which I will lose my friends movies. <laughs> and that's from a guy who like, we watched I, Martyrs with, like, ten people yeah, I, in the room. I, I put on Tetsuo the Iron Man for a group of people who didn't know what they were getting into. And when his penis turns into a power drill and kills his girlfriend during sex, I mean, that, that I was like, no, this is more acceptable than if I put on a trauma <laughs> film. That's, that's the level I want the audience prepared for when we get to the midsection and you guys all go watch it at home. <laughs> that's... That's pretty much, yeah. That's yeah. that's exactly that's what I'm you, hoping. Your everyone, headspace needs to yeah, be. <laughs> that's where you need to be. Because, yeah, it's a far cry. Look, this isn't, these aren't movies. They're films, guys. <laughs> these are films. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is the kind of stuff John Waters uh, salivates over. <laughs> Good trash. Yeah. Well, I guess, I don't know if you have anything you want to say specifically about it. I think that was a good intro to what sort of like a trauma film is. Um, it's just, it's just a bunch of low, low budget trash. Yeah. It's low it's, budget. Uh, usually at least somewhat hypersexualized, though, not all of their movies as much as others. The Newcomb high series and toxic Avenger series, I believe a bit less so, but, uh, very gory, very gross, you know, lots of melting faces, that kind of thing, uh, stuff. And, and I know it's stupid that I haven't seen toxic Avenger because toxic Avenger is sort of the, it's, it's their mascot movie. I mean, Troma's logo is the Toxic Avengers face. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, so... It's funny, because um, I think it was, like, smack dab in sort of the middle, like, the middle or early Ascendant era of, like, the sort of Troma oh, yeah, yeah. era, too. And it's kind of what built their brand, more so, like, other than, like... Because, I mean, there were a lot it, of people that sort of were in that genre, the but it Toxic Avengers it series for Troma, I think, is... The only thing you can really easily compare it to is still in trash film. It, it, it is uh, to trauma what the Puppet Master movies were to Charles Band's Full Moon Pictures. It I, like it's there's a million movies in the series, and it's because it became their mainstay, despite also going off and doing a bunch of other trash. Mm, true, true. Tr and I'm using trash and I'm being very affectionate with that term. But anybody who watches this kind of movie regularly knows what I mean. You're not. These aren't quality. These are low budget, high shock value. And generally speaking, they're somewhere on the line of horror and comedy and usually end up falling more or less completely in the one or the other, almost as if it's by accident. <laughs> there's, I feel like there's a lot of like, weirdly enough, a crossover between this and like, not necessarily like a, an actual cinematic sense, but just more of a, more of a feel, a mouthfeel sense to like a giallo in a way where it's like they're sort of like they can be a little cheesy at times because of like the production quality or like the the um 
like the uh, the lip syncing or the dubbing or stuff like that. Sure. Where it's like, and sometimes they end up being way cheesier, and sometimes they end up being like, oh, this is like a seriously good suspense mystery and gory. I feel like in a very similar way, they kind of like, because giallos for me, they tend to either kind of go like, yeah, they're this way or they're this way. So I will give you that for like, for Charles Band, I would give you that. For Full Moon Pictures, I would give you that, all right? For Troma, no, they always go the same way. All right, it always this is always going to be schlock. Mm, it's always going to be maybe, kitschy maybe. schlock in the end. It's it's more John Waters than it is Giallo. It's more uh, early Peter Jackson than it is. Giallo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Dead Alive, Bad, bad Taste or, or Dead Alive. Yeah, taste, yeah. Uh, but but I'd say John Waters even more than Jackson. It's Jackson visually. It's John Waters in the sense that it is also it feels scummy. It feels scummy, and it is gleefully juvenile. Mm-hmm. Like it is, these are not Lloyd Kaufman's never going to come out and tell you like some exploitation directors that, well, it came out trashy, but you know, I, what I was trying to say was this, he's not the guy who was trying to say something. He's the guy who like, poultry geist is a great example. He's the guy who went, you know what we need a zombie movie with butt fingering in a KFC with a musical. Like that's, <laughs> I was you know the the one filmmaker that's actually coming to my mind right now who I'm just like no that's 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 him it's it's Uva Bull for some reason I'm like I, except Uva Bull like actually I feel like he has some cinematography like like cinematic standards that he that he I would say this is by. it's Uva Bull postal era where Uva Bull went you know what if you're all gonna make me a joke I'm gonna be one yes and I'm gonna be a it's really good joke yeah because um, I mean while postal was a lot of the things that like trauma films are. It was a very good-looking film, and it was yeah. actually extraordinarily well shot and acted. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily... The content was trash and scummy, but as a movie, it was actually very well done. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, so another similarity, I think, with these two is... And you see this with a lot of, like... is also sort of the last mainstay of... They're basically still making 80s exploitation films all the time. Like, they haven't... They've never really left the 80s in that sense. They are a low-budget indie studio that doesn't give a shit about being one. They have no aspirations to become a big studio. They're fine with direct-to-DVD releases. You know what I mean? Or VHS yeah. or whatever it is now. I realize Blu-ray would be the correct answer, but it might be streaming. I don't know how, where you guess trauma film. I know you can buy them on Blu-ray, but you know what I mean? I don't know what yeah, the I don't know where they release session is going to be. Yeah. But, um, like, they're still... They've still got that ethos, even though a lot of people have lost it, but... They have something also a lot of studios did have at that time, and they still have it, which is um, there's people who get involved in these and do go on to have career. Like this, it's not that this can't be a stepping stone to actually being in mainstream Hollywood. James Gunn is the most obvious and extreme example. He got to start doing Troma's version of Romeo and Juliet, Tromeo and Juliet. He, he wrote it. It's so revolting and so trashy and so ridiculous and so gory and so over the top and now he's you know now he's directing you know the suicide squad and, and guardians, guardians of the, the galaxy. galaxy and and people are begging him to do their movies i mean when marvel sacked him and then brought him back on they had to fight with the fact that he'd already signed a huge contract for dc and then just go okay go ahead and keep making those two because you're that in demand yeah you and, know and i have to say like of all of the marvel like later stage marvel stuff like guns guardians of the galaxy one and two are just hands down the best thing that they've put out. oh I, yeah yeah I, and Gun have you seen movies. have you seen the new suicide squad that he did i have not but i've heard nothing it's, but good things basically it's phenomenal 
It's funny, really, because you've sort of, to some extent, avoided doing... You haven't entirely avoided, but you haven't done a lot of superhero films on your show. No, and no, this I haven't. technically is It technically one. is one, yes. You're, you're right. You're not wrong about it's that. Just, it's just, it's one of those rarities. This is a superhero movie that does not have a comic book that came before it. Yeah, um, yeah, I think, and, and if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a a lot of this spawned a lot of toxic avenger comics oh there yeah there's a ton of of spinoffs and merch for this um which again none of which i have invested myself in other than i've seen citizen toxic because i just i don't remember what the circumstance was where i went yeah i'm gonna watch part three like an idiot i think it's part three might be part four i don't know dude who knows um (laughs) well you know what you you are i i feel like you're you out of anybody are gonna probably have the most chance to get all of these right the I'll trivia. get them all wrong but do it <laughs> um, but i'm gonna go ahead and do a little bit of trivia here um actually there was one thing i wanted to mention too real fast before i do the trivia did you see and i almost was going to i might still do this for an episode but have you seen anything i don't know if it's a trauma film but i know it was released i think on shutter exclusively for a while there and i think it's now out on blu-ray or whatever but psycho gorman i have seen psycho Gorman. you have seen it yes. okay it is. It not, feels this way too. It 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 feels very similar. It has similarities, but uh, the thing it's closest to is, oh shoot, um, something Power Man. Power, uh, damn it! There is a music video by the band Power Man Gun, Five Thousand. There's a music video by the band Gunship, Gunship. Uh, and okay. the entire music video is clips from this movie. And now I can't remember what it's called. Um, it feels like, honestly, Psycho Goreman, though, feels like it's, if Guar was like, this is Guar's feature. Okay, like, if I, if I, if I had this, this music video to, like, show you, you would, you would immediately think the same thing. It, it's, okay, okay. it's, yeah, it's very, like, basically Power Rangers costumes. Yes. With just amped levels of gore. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what, yeah, that's yeah. exactly, and I just wanted to bring that up because it was sort of a brainworm that was living in my head where I'm like, Oh, Toxic Avenger, and then for some reason I'm like, oh, I went down this rabbit hole of like Psycho Gorman, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if Patrick's seen that one. Psycho Gorman is somewhere sort of between this and like, uh, like a uh, Stranger Things, basically, because it, it's mm. it's a very neon-y '80s throwback, but it is also yeah, and it's got a very, like kids in like, it too yeah. who are doing, but it's things, also a yeah. very kitsch and gory '80s throwback. Yeah, I, yeah. I think. I think you'd get a kick out of Psycho Gorman. It it's what it is, and it has no apologies for it. And it's it's stupid, but it's fun. I can't, I'm I'm the wrong person to ever talk to about a dumb movie being fun. I've seen and enjoyed every Puppet Master. That that alone should be enough. Actually, I unironically enjoyed Rubber. I didn't. Oh. I didn't enjoy Rubber for the pretension, which it definitely has some. I just think it's a good movie. I I enjoyed Rubber for the pretension and for its ridiculousness. Yeah. I think it oh. hit it hit just the right. It hit the G spot when it yeah. comes to hitting both. Uh, you know the thing about Rubber, I think that it does best is I, I, a lot of people who are even into weird movies don't like Rubber because they argue that it's too long. I think though rubber hits that perfect point of being the joke that went on. It goes on till it's no longer funny. And then it ends right when it hits that cusp of, okay, now you've overdone it enough that it's funny again. Yes. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And that's where it just, it leaves you on that mark so well. Um, Yeah. It's, it's great. But anyway, I'm going to do trivia before I get off on another tangent. So question number one, what future Oscar winning actress had a cameo walking out of the shower in this film? Is it A, Helen Hunt, B, Julianne Moore, or C, Marissa Tomei? Okay, it's not, it can't be Helen Hunt, right? Like, she's got to have been in stuff before this, I think. I feel like she's been around longer. 
I will say that they are all roughly the same age. No, I mean, I just feel like she's been in movies. But yes, you're, you're yeah. probably right. Um, well, now that you've said it, I feel like I'm wrong. Okay, I think it's Marissa Tomei. And the only reason I'm knocking out Julianne Moore is she also was in too much stuff as a kid. Not that she, I mean, it could be her. She She's in a lot of goofy stuff too. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she was already basically a star as a, I mean, she was in From Dust Till Dawn, right? I'm getting the right person. Um, no, no. no. Isn't she the little girl in From Dust Till Dawn? I don't think so. Who's the girl in From Dust Till Dawn? From Dust Till Dawn was made after this movie. Who's the girl in From Dust Till Dawn? And, I... and Natural Born Killers. Okay, maybe. But hold on. She's not in From Dust Till Dawn, I think, as the little girl. She might be in From Dust Till Dawn, but I don't remember here. Hold on. Tell your cravings that the circus of values. Juliette Lewis. Sorry, I'm confusing Julianne Moore and Juliette. Yeah, Lewis. I was gonna say yeah, Julianne. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I was like, no, that that's not right because you the time what? this is 1984, and I believe that was like what 1998 or 99. It's Julianne Moore. Yeah, is it Julianne Moore? It's Julianne Moore. You're wrong. You should have gone with your guts, Marissa Tomei. It was Marissa. Oh, um, I yeah. just well, you know what the thing is, my guts went. If you're so obsessed with the wrong person, then that must with this person not even being who you think she is, then it must be her. Should have stuck with Marissa Tomei. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take the L. No, that was no, and I think yeah, this would have been just right in sort of the time frame where she was starting like to do acting and stuff. Are and we then, gonna see like, her Hooters in this? I don't know. Okay. So there's there's at least a picture of her in a towel out there floating around on the internet. It's I don't know if it's just her. In a towel, it's probably just her in a towel. <laughs> um, I don't know, but who knows? You could. I'm assuming if I. If I would have Googled Marissa Tomei, Toxic Avenger, safe search off, I would have seen, I would have seen the Tatas. You ever have safe search on? <laughs> um, sometimes. Coward. If they <laughs> look, I have small children. <laughs> Coward. Um, no, uh, but for the most part, I don't. I know you're wrong. It was Marissa Tomei, so that'll be interesting to see her little, like, cameo there. And it's like, ah, okay. <laughs> this is gonna um, be like when I... Because I watched The Exorcist 3 the first time not knowing Samuel L. Jackson had a, uh, a cameo in it. Which is... And not even really a cameo. It was like... I think it's his first film role. And he's just a background character in this scene. And as he walks by, I'm like, hang on, that's Samuel L. Jackson. And so I picked up the DVD case, and on the back it says, features the first appearance of Samuel L. Jackson. And I'm like, how did I, how did I miss this? That's funny uh, when you like watch a movie and then you're like... And introducing this person, right. you're like, wait just a damn minute. Because well, his, his name's not like in the opening credits. He'd never done anything else. He walks through a background scene. Yeah, he does nothing. Just, but you still like, you see him and you immediately He's go, unmistakable. wait a minute. That's, yeah, that's gotta be. All right. Yeah. Cool. So we got Let me get another one Let me get, uh, let's go two for two. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this. So question number two, during shooting, a homeless man did what on set? Okay. It's all of the above. <laughs> it could very well be because i didn't go through a lot of the trivia okay. and there could be a lot more homeless stuff because i think there's a lot of homeless people in this movie if i it's over with a shotgun yeah yeah um <laughs> rutger howard's best performance uh, don't even at me ar- arguably true um but uh is it a stole a prop gun and tried to rob the cast and crew B, got into a pool while the camera was rolling and pooped in it. Or C, got into a fight 
with director Lloyd Kaufman, who had to be taken to the ER after. Oh my god. Um, here's my problem. I think Lloyd Kaufman did the first two. (laughs) (laughs) That's the trick question. It's just, these are all Lloyd Kaufman. He might have also done the third one, just stood in front of a mirror and beat the shit out of himself. he grabbed a bottle off yeah. the table, smat, slammed it, and then stabbed himself in the appendix. Did the Edward Norton Fight Club thing. Just stood there beating himself in front of the crew. I think the homeless man stole a prop gun and tried to rob the cast and crew. You're correct. Okay, That is cool. what happened. There was a, a prop gun and he tried to rob the cast and crew. Apparently, I think there were actually other things that homeless men did on the set of this because apparently there's like... A bunch of like things where like there's a lot of homeless people in this movie. Again, I don't I don't know a lot about the plot other we're, than well, we're also talking again. This is this is early early <laughs> trauma. They did not have the money for sets. They filmed this on streets on location, almost certainly yes. with no permission. So oh yeah, yeah these weren't lockdown sets. No, yeah. yeah. So that that's that's interesting because I I feel like it's just it feels to me too like there's a certain element of like sort of like gonzo almost journalism oh. when it comes to these films too god yeah yeah it's just so it's just such a unique thing that like you don't get in a lot of like other like yeah movies with budgets <laughs> um i mean i know a- after having tried to like you know when we were young and aspiring potential filmmakers and we tried to like do movies that were awful i know like there, there's there's a certain amount of stuff you have to do to get shots and it's like and places you have to go because you're relegated to where your, your parents will drop you off despite never finishing anything i think we we, we did some really clever shit i think we did do some fun <laughs> stuff although i think our younger siblings probably have us beat when it comes to clever things because they actually made good short films yeah and they finished them <laughs> and they finished them yes <laughs> that well remember they also they were we were too ambitious this is why all downhill's episodes don't get edited it's a, it's an over level of ambition we never did short films we tried to do feature like yes movies. we did that's true yeah. <laughs> We're like, no, no, we're not, we, we're too good for this short film thing. Yeah. We, we're here to make a blockbuster, but starring children and on a budget less than Animal House. That's what we're here for. I think um, we might have had a budget comparable to Animal House. Yeah, we probably, we, I bet you over the course of a few years we spent five or six bucks. <laughs> yes. Well, let's see if we can, you can get the tiebreaker here and, 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 and finish out the trivia strong. Um, so question number three, the location used for the Mexican restaurant in the film is now a what? Is it A, a Chick-fil-A, B, a Raising Cane's, or C, a Popeye's? It's a Popeye's. Yeah, I was just say, no hesitation <laughs> there. I'm like, I'm like, you, you can't, <laughs> I thought about this question for a bit. I'm like, nah, this is just going to be a gimme. Cause like, yeah, it's gotta be a Popeye's. Here's right? your mistake. You did it after the second question. And if a homeless guy came and did anything on the set, that's a neighborhood with the Popeye's. You, okay. Look, this is like 1980s. It could have been a gentrified neighborhood to be mm, fair. Could it? <laughs> no, it was filmed in New Jersey. So no. Yeah. It's a Popeye's. It's, it's um, probably gotten worse since. In fact, the Popeye's is probably worse than the Mexican restaurant was then. I am not going to comment on some of the Popeyes I've been in. All right, uh, Smithmeyer, friend of and often appearance on your show, has said that the best fried chicken places are the ones that make you feel most like you're going to die. And I have begun to realize that that's not like die from food poisoning. Die like someone's going to shank you. And I've I, I realized that he's only half right because fifty percent of the fried chicken restaurants you feel like you're going to get shanked in are Popeyes. <laughs> 
That's true. Although, I don't know. I mean, Popeyes is like it's it's hit or miss for me. But I will agree. Like it's the ski. Look, the worst. The worst feeling the Popeyes is to go in. Like you get that nice. Like you feel like the whole floor is covered in maple syrup. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, you walk into the bathrooms and you feel like you have to immediately take a shower. Everything or you're going the, to get AIDS. Everything that's on the specials board, they're out of. Yes. They probably never had it. Um, but you still go in because there's a part of you that goes, yeah, but the red beans and rice. <laughs> Wait, you're getting red beans and rice at Popeye's? I am. Every time. That's a wild choice. That's always my deciding factor in why I would go to Popeye's as opposed to any other chicken place. If I'm picking Popeye's, it's because of the red beans and rice. To red be fair, it is a unique is menu shit. item. It's the shit. And well, yeah, and no other fast food places are making that for me. I realize it's also a lazy food I could make at home. But like if I forgot lunch and I'm driving by a Popeye's, I'm like, hell yeah, I want some red beans and rice. So realistically, what you're saying is, is really the spirit of the Mexican restaurant lives on because Popeye's still does serve red beans and rice. <laughs> is that Mexican? I'm pretty sure that's soul food. But... It's close. All right. It's close enough. I'll take it. It's beans and rice. Like, whatever. <laughs> that Your show just got really racist. Of course it's Mexican. There's beans in it. <laughs> There's beans in it. Friend of the show, Mexico, is okay <laughs> with this. No, friend of the show, Kim Jong-un, who invented, invented the, the burrito. burrito. Look, I have definitive proof that he invented the burrito. I have sitting in my refrigerator a jar of kimchi, and it has a picture of a burrito on it. And it says that kimchi goes great in burritos. It doesn't say that spice up your Mexican food. No, it's good in burritos. That's what it's used for. Burritos, the Korean food that Kim Jong-un invented. Friend of the show. Where did you find this kimchi? At Jungle Jam. Oh, Where else would I, I get yeah. kimchi? I don't know. Um, kimchi's becoming kind of one of those in foods. Uh, yeah, but like I don't. I feel like it's hard to find it like a Kroger. It's still. I haven't is. seen it. It still in a is, Kroger. but I'm waiting for kimchi's going to be the next guacamole. Mark my words. You're probably not wrong. I'm. I'm. Yeah. You're People are convinced right. it's healthy, even though there's no real reason to believe that. You can put it on basically anything. Um, it's a funny color for a food. It's got all of the things it needs. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it hits all the, all the different flavors. It's got all, you know, it's all the food groups. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. It's a superfood. It's a superfood. Look, we'll just start putting it in guacamole. This, this, this episode's not about this movie at all. It's not. <laughs> uh, I don't know what, what, okay. What, what is the, what are your criteria for, for the toxic Avenger being like, on a scale of zero to five snake pliskins, what does it have to do to be a one and what does it have to do to be a five? Oh my gosh. Um, if it tries, it'll be a one. Like, no, okay, let me rephrase that. If it tries to be one of two things, if it tries too hard to be trash, it'll be a one. Okay. And if it tries too hard to be a good movie on a low budget, it'll be a one. The best okay. trash movies don't try to do either of those things. They try to be a movie that the director really loves. The cast and the crew can really get behind. Whether or not it's bad, they can get behind the director's passion for it and love the movie whether or not they think it's good. This is and, why The Taint is a five. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a movie where everyone involved enjoys making it no matter how bad it is and preferably with at least a few but not everyone involved thinking it's bad. There yes. has to be at least one true believer on set but it's okay if everyone else isn't and is just like, it's fun and we're doing it for this guy because he loves it so much. If you have that, you get a five. I expect this to be, for me, a four. A four? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I don't think it's going to blow my mind. I think my general uh, tendency to overrate anything that's trash will stop it from being the three it probably deserves and make it a four. I think I think I'm going to go the opposite way. I think I'm going to say I'm going to go the opposite end of the spectrum here. I think I, I agree with you in this. That yes, if it's trying too hard to be something that is, it's clearly not. If it's trying to reach too high or reach too low, yeah, it's going to be bad. Right. If it is, like you said, if it has that genuine feel of like that sort of gonzo, like just ha- people having fun on set, people chewing up the scenery, having fun, it's probably going to be pretty good. If it's trying to be, again, something that it's not, it's going to be bad. And I think in this case, the thing that's going to hurt it the most for me is the fact that I have seen a fair amount of garbage. And I'm I'm like half and half on on like garbage like this. Like if it's oh, if it's fun yeah. schlocky garbage, fine. If it's trying too hard to be like shock value, I'm like I'm pretty jaded at this point. You have to do a lot to shock me, or or like gross me out. I'm gonna put a wager and say you will in whatever rating you're about to give, you're gonna enjoy it more than that rating because I don't think this is when trauma was trying to shock people, but not like. Not like proper exploitation film shock people. Just more like the you can't do that on television shock people. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. So, I, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to give it a two out of five Snake Plissken. So I'm okay. going to go the op. Okay. You're going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a two. I foresee both of us coming into this at threes. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to slide, <laughs> slide, slide to the, the center. We're going to both be like, that was all right. Okay. <laughs> it was okay. It was fine. Um, <laughs> no, I will say I'm going to inflate my rating anyway because I'm going to watch it drunk. Oh, oh yeah. I, I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna get hammered for this. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the way you have to for a trauma film. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put up the projector in my backyard so the neighbors can see it. <laughs> yes. It's like, hey, your kids want to come over and watch a movie? Yeah, come on. Fun with the old Toxic Avenger. It's a classic '80s film. Sit in the yard with no shirt on. <laughs> no shirt, mullet, just, just, just. You know, shorts that are questionably too short. Don't don't laugh. My father-in-law only wears shorts that are questionably too short. Have you seen his balls? No, not quite. No, there was a discussion had. uh, My my mother-in-law was explaining to my wife about, you know, I finally found shorts that your dad likes. Because, you know, he doesn't like all the shorts they make today are too long. They go all the way to your knees and make you look like a hooligan. And she starts just trashing everyone who wears these. I'm sitting next to my wife looking at her as I'm wearing shorts of that length. Because that's the only length I buy. You should buy Jinkos. Like Jinko <laughs> shorts just to wear around your father in law. I don't think he'd care. I think it's her. He just likes shorter or ones. Mother in law. Yeah, yeah, I don't think. I think she has the opinion that they look somehow trashy. He just likes shorter ones, which is fine. It's just like when I look at pictures of my dad in like the 70s, that's what he wore too. And I'm like, but you shouldn't have. Yes. Like, yeah, that's true. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have worn these. No, look, look, look. This is this is what you have to do to annoy your mother-in-law. You just wear, get the Jinko shorts, you get the chains, you just stock your fridge with nothing but Fago. Yeah. And then you start painting your, you know, incrementally painting your face. And you just start saying, whoop, whoop, what the fuck are magnets? <laughs> I am not. You start throwing hatchets in the backyard. Great. I like of all the reactions to getting the mullet, this is the best one yet. When are you going to become a juggalo? <laughs> Since you've got that thing on your head. Look, um, I don't associate mullets with juggalos, but... You associate me with juggalos? No, but you could do it for the meme. I could. I mean, I, I like, think your I, mother-in-law I, probably would have said... I like Fago. Oh, Fago's good. Yeah. It does. I'm, like, it's, I'm it's halfway, slaps. I'm halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, I guess. What's your number? You, oh, two. That's two, okay, two. Two. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll crack open an, an ice cold Fago and what's like a really trashy like vodka that we can just. Vodka? I'm mixing Fago with, I'm mixing Fago with, with a 40. Oh, a four, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fago <laughs> and a 40. Yeah, dude, get, get a Fago, get a 40, just chillax and watch. EJ Brandy, get some evil juice in that. <laughs> get some classiest the classiest of drinks <laughs> cool we well go. i guess i guess unless you have anything else to say we no, let's, go watch let's this do movie. this yeah sick all right we'll see you on the other side and you can tell all your scum friends that things are gonna change in this town i'm not just another pretty face we are the entertainment for this afternoon that new camera really captures the moment Welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I am back with Patrick from watching The Toxic Avenger from 1984. So I'm going to let Patrick just take the floor here because he has some <laughs> assumptions about how I feel about the movie, and he's going to he's going to tell me why he thinks I'm wrong. Without knowing if this is even what you think. Yes. Okay. Let me tell you why I think it's what you think, too. Okay. 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 You generally... Not as a complete rule, but generally, don't like '80s horror as much. You're, yes. a, you know, you're a horror fan who wasn't, unlike a lot of horror fans are around now who are of our age or a little older, whose like early experience was the '80s horror movies. You got into it a little later, and so you're. I think you hold '80s horror movies to an unfair standard. I'd not necessarily. That there's something wrong with that. You're allowed to. You know what I mean? But anyway, mm, yes. So I think you tend to dislike them um because they're i think a lot cheesier uh i know they're not as polished i don't want to throw you under the bus as much as like you're the kind of person who doesn't like black and white movies just because color wasn't invented yet like i don't think you're that far but i do think you um don't give some of them the credit they deserve because of the lower production values also though i think that there's some of the inherent aesthetic of 80s horror that just isn't your bag it's not it's schlockier it's um I like clean sort of looking stuff a yes, lot of times. And 80s is not. It's, 80s is it's not. gritty. And, and a lot of that's just because it's a lot of it is extremely cheaply made. I mean, if you look at a low budget horror film today and compare it to a low budget 80s film, a low budget film today looks like a professional 80s film and a, you know, low budget 80s film looks, you'd compare it to people. I can't hand, remember you know. what movie I watched recently. It was a film where where um, somebody had told me, oh no, this is, uh, oh, it's a, an episode that's going to be coming out soonish. 
I'll, I'll tease that here. So, have you seen One Cut of the Dead? No. Uh, it's a Japanese, say, it's a Japanese film. I okay. don't want to give it away. It's kind of like the whole, like, I don't want to give away the, the twist in certain films because if I do, it's going to ruin it. Yeah. But uh, I watched it, and the person who I watched it, uh, who I did the episode with, was like, no, this is a really low-budget film. And I'm like, I'm watching it, I'm like, no, this this really isn't. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. I Comparatively. Know, now, there are, admittedly, there's exceptions, obviously. Like, um, I know there's some debate in the film community as to whether it was intentional or not, but, like, Birdemic would be a perfect example. For anyone who hasn't seen it, just go to YouTube, look up Birdemic, and find a clip of it. Any clip that's out there on the internet will give you an impression of how atrocious of a movie it is oh yes but to the point of people aren't sure if it was intentionally atrocious or if their budget was that low and these guys were really trying in earnest either way another one much much more out there is uh, dead noon which i actually own on dvd and it's one of my more regrettable purchases and it's a it's a just it's it low budget and looks low budget it's a weird west and has kane hooder in it it really oh. technically has a lot going for it. okay it has <laughs> kane hooder in it. it says that in huge letters in the box which should be a big giveaway for the fact that he's in it for like 20 something seconds and he's in it so they can say Kane Hooders in it. Um, it's a, it's a weird West and I didn't like it, which should tell you how bad that's, it was. That's rough. Yeah. Um, again, appreciate when indie filmmakers do their thing and do their best with it, but it's not always going to be good, you know? No. So eighties horror isn't your thing for varying reasons. Even though I kind of grew up on the end of this where I was like, you know, I played obviously the original dooms. Oh sure. Uh, yeah. All of those. I am a graphics horror. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. it comes to most, like I don't go, yeah, intentionally I would say, look, go back. I, I would and see. guess your favorite Doom is either Doom twenty sixteen or Doom Eternal, and it's, mine it's is mine is Eternal Doom or, two. Or, no, uh, twenty sixteen. Mine's Doom two. Uh, and don't get me wrong, yeah. I love Doom two. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not going to go back and play it at this right. point. I think. See, that's the thing is, I I'll, I'll go back and play it though. I it has to be multiplayer. Like Doom two multiplayer remain. There's a so soft spot in my heart. For a deathmatch mode where a single shot with a double barrel shotgun is a one hit kill on everyone. Like, I, but you know, again, different, different. Um, I also, I think we both got into video games at a fairly similar time, but I think I got in a little earlier because I was dosing a lot harder. Yes. Uh, so I've got, and there, I only for me, played some more nostalgia. For a but. while, I only played video games at your house. Yes. Too. And then I know when you got into them, you were for a while, basically, it was Civ and then Total War. Yes, <laughs> and Total War for the time had probably the best graphics of any video game oh, it out was, there. It was gorgeous, and I always kind of hated it because it was <laughs> so not my type of game, and yet it yeah. looked so good. I'm sitting here like, no, I want Age of Empires. This non-real-time shit is killing me. Um, <laughs> Turn-based forever, Which is hilarious that I play as many board games as I do, which are, with one or two exceptions, they're turn-based. But I don't want to play a turn-based video game. And I play, and I play tabletop role-playing games, which are... Always, all, except for in the combat, you usually can do a little bit more real like, time, real yeah. time stuff. <laughs> but really, on RPing. the computer, you're like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do turn based, whatever. I don't care. But yeah, so there's, just, you know, again, nothing wrong with differing opinions, except for your opinion on ages movies, which is wrong. And here's why I'm gonna go ahead and say whether it's objectively wrong, it's wrong for you to hold it. I am assuming at this point that your rating of the Toxic Avenger is going to have been. I will say no higher than two Snake Pliskins. Again, don't tell me yet. Okay. That's just where I'm putting it. And if I turn out to be wrong, I will be pleasantly surprised. 
I think there's a lot of things about it that maybe would make you push it up, but I'm just going overall with its aesthetic. It's super 80s. It's very schlocky in a very specifically 80s schlocky way. It is in many ways a comedy, and you're not as into comedies. And while it is a dark comedy, which you tend to like more, a lot of its comedy isn't the dark parts. It's almost absurdist. Like how much the the one bad guy who runs people over with his car is always screaming about things. Oh, I'm so stressed! You know? Yeah. Like, so... Uh, take all that, um, the soundtrack, which I think is perfect for the movie, but also objectively bad. Um, I will, I will agree. The soundtrack fitted extraordinarily well, but it was horrendous. Yeah. It's just, it also, in a lot of ways, the Toxic Avenger is an eighties action movie. Like a lot of the fight scenes and stuff, while the, the kills are just tremendously comically gory. The fighting is eighties, low budget action fighting. It's a lot of people getting thrown absurd distances with obvious wire stunts. It's a lot of people getting hit over the head with trash cans. And I know also, while you will make an exception like many people for like Kung Fu or for a good bar brawl in a Western, though those tend to be a little more toned down. Kung Fu isn't, but kind of gets away with it, I think. I don't There's think a certain in, expectation to yeah, Kung Fu. You're not as into the 80s action movies of that sort either. The the hand-to-hand fighting ones. Of You know what I mean? Yes. Okay, so putting those things in, I'm assuming you're going to give it a low rating. Here's why you're going to be unfair, but you have to answer me a rating question, not on this movie. What would you have rated Hobo with a Shotgun in terms of Snake Plissken's? Oh, boy. Um, Hobo with a Shotgun is one of those movies where... Man, you put me on the spot here. It's been a while since I've seen it. I saw it pretty much right when it kind of came yeah. out because I was in college. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this uh, obviously and Wonder i haven't watched it since a hobo with a shock how can you not i i have been thinking about it more recently and i've been wanting to revisit it okay i think that when i first saw it i was a little bit i thought it was going to be more i guess closer to like a i guess like the planet terror grindhouse sort of schlocky okay but it it, it was way over that Oh yeah, far, far. It was far over that. I think I may have been a little bit unfair. So at the time when I watched it, I probably would have given it, I liked it um, because it was very much a, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It was, it just was, it was, it's, it was its own thing, right? I would say I would probably have given it a three at that point in time, maybe a 2.5. But I was disappointed. I actually might, my ripping into you might not be as good as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Because I thought you would have given that actually slightly higher. I expected a three and a half, really. We'll take it as a three just to let me still rip. 2.5 would ruin my ripping. So let's assume you gave it a three. I think by that logic, you should at least give Toxic Avenger a three. Because outside of the budget for special effects, they are the same movie. It is a town where everyone is corrupt all the way up through the mayor and his cronies. It's full of crime and a random loser, in one case a janitor, Melvin, and in the other case a hobo. With a shotgun. Get a superpower. One case it's a shotgun and the other it's toxic waste mutation. And they go on a spree cleaning up all the town's crime. The only major difference between the two, other than effects budget, is... Well, and Rutger Hauer is that in Hobo with a Shotgun, there is occasionally some risk that Rutger Hauer will get killed. Whereas in The Toxic Avenger, and I think this is weirdly one of its strong points, there is actually no tension. At no point anywhere, it takes like till his second fight before you realize Toxie can't die. 
Nothing is going to kill him way before he even starts getting shot. You know when he's going to get shot the first time. You already at that point are like, these bullets aren't going to hurt him. He's invincible and the only tension in his life at all is whether the blind chick will ditch him when she realizes he's the monster. There's no actual like, is he going to lose? Of course not. He's clearly invincible. The only time where it's even hinted that it might be is that like extra lingering shot from the scene where he like drives the guy over the cliff. Oh yeah. Uh, what's his face? Um, not Slug, but um, the what the one whose name? The I, other one. I, I, earlier, I just said the stress guy because I can't remember. I his can't name. remember his name. It was something equally as dumb as Slug. Yes. Um, but <laughs> who were phenomenal like '80s sort of like like teen villains. They're like the villain version of the Frog Brothers in The in, Lost Boys. In fact, the one who was playing Slug reminded me so much of, um, what's Corey his Feldman. Corey Feldman. It's because of the headband. Yes. His um, face looks like, I had to look it up afterwards. I'm like, did they get Corey Feldman? No, he would have been too young, too young. He would have uh, been but, too young, you're right. But yeah, um, it's, so it's, I think that's a strength for the movie because in terms of a typical movie narrative, it does mean the Toxic Avenger is actually kind of dumb. This is a low stakes movie. Your hero is going to win. Yes. Full stop. On the flip side, it's not, that's not what the movie's about. The no. movie isn't about the plot really at all. It's about watching Toxie clean up all the villains. And the fact that they're villains is almost an afterthought. It's just like, well, of course they're villains. That way it's okay when you cheer, they get killed. Yes. And that um, was, I think that was the thing that I actually enjoyed the most about it because I was sitting down like, okay, I think the movie plot's probably going to be dumb, but I'll give it a, a, a chance. And after a few, after like a little while, I'm like, no, there is no plot. Yeah. It's uh, literally just a, it's a revenge movie. And I was actually going to bring up, if you didn't, I was going to bring up Hobo with a shotgun because it is literally the same movie. Yeah. With, with again, the notable exception being that Rutger Hauer, there is some tension in that he could die. Yes. Um, and that he almost does at multiple yeah. points. But, but they even <laughs> pull the same cards. Like now Hobo with a shotgun does way later minor spoiler for those of you watching it there's a scene in hobo with a shotgun where the two kids who are he's i don't think he's actually the mayor in hobo with a shotgun but the mm. guy who runs the town yeah the guy who runs that i don't he's know effectively if he's a, mayor. a mayor but i think they have another name for him but his kids uh get on a bus as part of their campaign to get back at the town for siding with the hobo and uh, pull out a flamethrower and burn a bus full of children and it is entirely a look how over the top bad the bad guys are scene yes. and also a we want to show you that we're the kind of movie that's not afraid to kill kids. Like it, this is shock value for shock value. We're killing the kids to upset you. Toxie is proud to do that. Oh, like what? Five, 10 minutes in they back over a kid. They, they have yes. a group of people who get their rocks off by running over people with their car. They have a bit of ha ha joking about how like kids are worth more points. And then they run over a kid on a bike. And while he's crawling away, trying to live bleeding everywhere, they back over his head. Also, later, they break the other Cardinal movie sin, and they shoot a dog. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was actually probably more shocked that they shot the dog than they than when they killed the kid. Because the kid one was like, I've seen kids die in movies before. Oh, yeah. Like, they never just straight up shoot the fucking dog, though. Like, unless True. it's like... And if it if they do, it's like the focal emotional point of the film. Like... No, and I'm this looking is... at you, old yeller, or like, I, I'm trying to, there was another one I where they did that too. I think that's the great too. thing. They shoot the dog that the blind girl has, and it's a huge deal for her for all of about a minute, 
And then it's just like, whatever, they shot her dog. Like, she's over it. Well, then she gets saved from being, from being like, uh, you know, raped in this taco restaurant. She does. In but front after, of like even a bunch after of she people. gets saved from being raped, she's like, oh my gosh, they shot my dog. And Toxie's like, well, I'll help you home. And she's like, okay, whatever. Well, she has a dog now. That's fine. <laughs> it does seem that there is some small aspect of, did she even like the dog or was the dog entirely an object? I the feel dog like the dog was, was necessary for her no. because it's it's shown in a in the, almost the very next scene she is extraordinarily clumsy without that dog oh phenomenally to, idiotically clumsy yeah, yeah she's so she's so dumb she can't like take care of herself but <gasps> that dog probably is the only saving grace that she ever had she's probably like allergic to the dog or never liked dogs uh, or something right. you might be and right and then she has to have it that's what it seemed like she you killed my dog it was more of a the, the emotion in that scene was more of a not, you killed my dog, I love that dog. It was a, you killed my dog, how am I going to get home? Sure, yes, very true. Um, very true. Because she obviously can't drive home, because she's a woman. So, yes. the, so anyway, that's my reason to potentially rip up a unit that's been kind of damaged by the fact that you rated Hope with a shotgun slightly lower than I thought you would have. Because I was going to go, you rated that higher than you rating this. It is entirely because of either Rucker Hauer fanboyism and or you like high production values more than they're necessarily worth. You are no better than the people who say black and white movies are bad for being black and white. And then you rated Hobo. I was sitting here going, you're going to ruin it by rating Toxie higher than I thought. And instead, you've, even before we get there, ruined it by rating Hobo lower than I thought you would have. <laughs> um, so, and in fairness, probably about where I would have rated Hobo. I think it was really probably a 2.5 or a Yeah, I, I, it, it's a, three, three tops. Yeah, it's fun. It's super fun, but it is not a movie that I would ever be like, I need to watch that again. I think I did because I, I have been in the mood to watch it again because I'm like, I think I just kind of need to watch it again in like a new like frame because I think I was, I probably like missed my sweet spot of watching that movie where I watched it maybe a little too soon before I got like over my like sort of, I don't know, 80s sort of like, I ew, completely. Oh, that's fair. Okay. See, I, I can say, I don't know if you'll bump it too much higher only because when I saw it, I never had the 80s ew thing. And I saw it in the same period where I was watching stuff like Ichi the Killer just for like the shock values. So I think I had a pretty clear view of Hobo. And I think it was, I'll admit, there's some great lines. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, and I think but, I really wanted to go back and watch it more so for that, because I think the thing with, um, with Toxic Avenger, it reminded me again, it reminded me so much of it that I kind of wanted to go back and watch Hobo with a Shotgun again, because I'm like, man, there were some good lines in that movie, but I forget oh, yeah. what they are. And um, this movie kind of, there were a lot of like really good lines in this movie too, where it's just, they're so cheesy and out there. Oh yeah. And it was just completely like this is meant to be ripping on 80s movies while 80s movies are still like a big thing like right. it is a contemporary spoof and, and which I is think, always a hard thing to pull off you know what's weird too is i think uh, the toxic avenger is the kind of movie you could write off as pure schlock except for like oh they didn't even try except for two major things one there's not a lot of goofs no no like, there aren't you know there's not like you don't see boom mics in every scene or anything but two is weirdly they make a few legitimate filmmaking decisions like even through his first his first whole fight i think i don't think it's like till a good way into the second one or maybe a little after they carefully shoot everything so you never see toxie's face 
Yeah. You know, which is the kind of decision that a movie like this has no need to make because there isn't the tension of, oh, how bad is it? You know it's bad. Heck, his face is on the box. But the movie still takes the time to go, yeah, no, we're going to make legitimate filmmaking decisions. We're going to hold off a little on his reveal just because that's a thing you do in movies. So I think this is a movie that was made... It's part parody for sure, and it's part schlock for schlock's sake for sure. But it is also an earnest attempt at a film. I think that uh, Lloyd Kaufman and, and I don't remember the uh, other director's name, but but the, the directors of this film and the writers and everyone who are in this, I think you could tell that they actually this was a genuine like I want to make this movie because I believe in not not just like I don't believe in a story, I don't believe in this, I believe that this is going to be a fun thing for people to watch. Yes. And you could feel that the entire time. You're right. There were very few goofs. They, they like, really did just intentionally have some of those sort of, like, weird tropes. Like, you had, like, the alcoholic guy who ran the taco stand. You right. had the, you know, the clearly, like, nod to Dr. Strangelove, like, police chief. Yes. Uh, you had the, the fat, um, you know, town mayor who was, I'm trying to think of, he was an homage to something else like of the time. And I don't remember what film I recall okay, yeah. thinking about when I'm like, Oh, that's that character, that archetype. And they really did just take all those tropes and make it into just this like solid. And, and I think I'm, I'm telegraphing where I'm going with this weirdly endearing film that also had just an incredible amount of good gore in it. Yes. Okay, so now I'm thinking I really did read you wrong. You're going to rate this way higher than I thought because because you've been brought in by its endearingness and its huge amounts of gore. Before you go further, I do want to make one more comment on the movie. Okay. okay? And it's, this is a negative comment about you, but not about your movie opinions. This is about your podcast creation skills. Yes. At the beginning of every episode of this show, you have this shtick where you describe a movie, the movie that's going to be watched, and as the show has gone on, progressively, you've gotten more and more, like, further away from what the movie is. And more and more weird with your descriptions. Almost surreal at this point. Like, originally it was you'd get a few things wrong, or they'd, you'd describe the complete wrong thing, but it fits the name. And now you just say stuff half the time, right? It's it's like a, it's meta-comedy. It's for yes. sure meta-comedy. You fucked up, though, because you didn't just say we were going to watch a documentary about real life in New Jersey. <laughs> I did. You know what? I did love all the tasteful <laughs> shots of of the twin towers in the background. I I was hoping that there was gonna be some sort of like weird like precognitive nine eleven thing happening here, but my that was honestly my biggest criticism of this film is that there was no like like weird nine eleven reference where it's like oh yeah they like predicted nine eleven in nineteen eighty four. No, uh, no, they just not. predicted New Jersey every year, all the time. Yeah. Um, this is Kevin Smith thinks he's doing the accurate New Jersey films, but he's not. Troma's showing you what it's really like. New Jersey is a toxic waste dump, and everyone in it is a murderer. That's, um, wait, that's not that's not what Clerks was about. <laughs> yeah, we were actually watching The Sopranos. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, okay. So yeah, now then I do now having had my spiel and thinking that my spiel is going to be wrong. Yeah, I want to know what you think. Other than it being endearing and having yeah, great the. The gore is pretty spectacular. I I really like... Man, I was not prepared for how... Because I was thinking, again, this is going to be a low-budget. And I've seen low-budget films before where I'm like, okay, the gore, they try, right? Oh, they yeah. try their best. And and you can say, like, other genres of films where they, like, make unrealistic gore but have lots of it, like, let's say, like, Japanese splatter. 
Sure. Right? Sure. Like, you know, um, the Machine Girl, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Uh, or, or even like Giallo's where it's like, this is clearly just red paint that you picked up at the local hardware store. Yes. Or potentially marinara sauce. Either one. Whichever right. one fit your right. budget. Um, but this was like, no. Like some of it, it was clearly like, yeah. You had you saw guys hiding their arms under their under oh, their shirts for sure, yeah. When their arms got ripped off, but like the stump was really good though, and the blood yes. coming out of it, like the you know like his sort of transformation was was good. Um, you know, again, sort of more in that cheesy eighties way of doing things. Uh, I think that this because it didn't have a plot and it just had very for the budget. A surprisingly good production quality like yeah not necessarily visually visually there were parts where it was like you could tell that this was like filmed in different resolutions and they just cut it together right and right. they didn't care but the actual like no they kept his his costume consistent they kept the gore consistent and they didn't really have any that felt like oh this one's the bad the bad effect we're right, just gonna get right. past it and I get, I get the impression the whole time that like that was, I think they loved doing effects, and I think they loved doing stunts. Yes, because they clearly put a lot of love. Because also there's stunts that are unnecessary. Like there's the guy. Uh, well, actually, there's Melvin. No, not Melvin. The cop he touches when he's turning into the Toxic Avenger, and the cop catches fire. And first it's his arms, and then later the cop goes running down the street entirely engulfed in flames. That was a fire stunt for the sake of... Somebody just wanted to do a fire stunt. Yes. That, there it, was no... Yeah. yeah, there was no point to that in the movie. It was a fire stunt. And that's what a lot of this is. It's it's really just this sort of like... I guess I could describe it as... It, it really is sort of the... You think it's it's a... It's really... Like you said, it's more of a comedy than anything. Oh, yeah. Because you go into this thing like, okay, this is going to be kind of like, you know, sort of a, a cheesy horror film... But it really ends up being something closer akin to a dark version of, like, a John Hughes film. Yeah, yeah. It's dark John Hughes. Yeah, yeah. I think Which that's fair. Which, I normally, I shit on John Hughes a lot for some of his films. Most notably, Sixteen Candles, which I really hate. I, uh, of all the ones to shit on, I, 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 I think Sixteen Candles is actually pretty good. I... I don't know. I had, I was forced to watch that multiple times by people uh, in no, college. That would be a problem. You only ever need to see it once. I know. Once. I saw it once and I was like, <laughs> okay, this is all right. It's not my thing. But yeah. I had to watch it multiple times. I'm like, no, this is not my thing. Fuck you. Fuck you, John <laughs> okay, Hughes. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but um, it was it was essentially a dark John Hughes film where it was like the backdrop was like, yes, you're right. They were trying this guy who saves this girl. Um, it, it went very fast, though. Like that, that whole, oh, that yeah. whole plot went really fast, but at the end it was like, okay, they got away into nature and then no one, no one is, I guess it's like, you know, the man wants to take them down there. They don't want them to love each other because the whites can't sleep with the blacks in this time period. Uh, it's an allegory or something. The, I, I think it's, it's not, it's but... funny that you're comparing it to John Hughes. Cause I would, parts of me would compare it to a superhero <laughs> movie, but I, that might be another one of its strengths. It is in certain ways a horror movie. It is in some a lot of ways a comedy. It's in some ways a superhero movie or at least a one man wrecking machine style action movie. But it is also in some ways it's a John Hughes movie and in some ways it's just straight up a, a, a the nerd gets back at the bullies or the nerd gets laid. Oh, like story. a Revenge of the Nerds yeah, sort of like, thing. Yeah, like yeah, it is it's a whole lot of genres at once. 
But not really because it's, I don't think, trying hard to be. It's just... It's just they made a movie that they wanted to. And these are people who love movies. And look, at a... (laughs) Yeah, they love movies. And at a certain point, I get that. Because again, I think I mentioned the first half. We, We definitely at multiple points in our in our teens and before and after in fact tried to make feature-length films yes frequently and we never did ours looked worse than this (laughs) ours looked way worse but uh at the same time like it's i get it from like that standpoint of you love movies and you want to create something cool um we never had that (laughs) we didn't have anything cool we just had stuff that was we thought was kind of cool and edgy, but really never worked out because we just couldn't do what we wanted to do. Right. And we yeah. just, we, and then we just left it because we couldn't do what we wanted to do. These guys are like, no, don't let your dreams be memes. Uh, let's, let's make this cop, you know, run away, be on fire. Let's make this guy called cigar face <laughs> with this other dude. Who's inexplicably like a transgender dude who knows Kung Fu. Yes. Like let's, let's have in this skeezy ass taco restaurant, a bunch of like, I guess proto juggalos hold up the place and then also do like a big Kung Fu showdown afterwards and then get cooked. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I didn't think about it until you just said, let's have cigar face. I didn't think about cigar face that hard. What's the guy in guardians of the galaxy with the dorky name? Isn't it razor face or something? Uh, yeah, Um, something like that. And I, I was thinking about the way he's constantly saying his name and everyone's making fun of it is pretty close to how cigar face is saying his all the time, but not making fun of it. And I'm like, it's clicking. Like James Gunn got his career start working for trauma. For trauma. Yes. And I, I'm now seeing like, Oh, that guy I see is clear probably, progressions. Yeah. He like, might even be a direct reference. Yeah. To, to cigar face. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, who is just a great, the villains in, in toxic Avenger are so good. Because they are so, like, early Batman in their simplicity. Like, it's yeah. just, this is the villain, this is his it, name, it is cheesy, and he has one shtick. It feels like, yeah, it feels like the early Batman villains mixed with, and I'm going to throw another kind of genre in here, but, like, Death Wish. It feels like if you, yes. took, if you took the Batman villains and then made them all, like, death wish characters and charles bronson yeah. was killing them yes that's because it's just a thug with a weird shtick and we've just rolled with that with the only real difference toxie has being we've just got tons of them because none of them other than the mayor and i guess ostensibly the police chief and the mayor's buddies though less them none of them they were spend, just following orders patrick yeah, none of them spend time building even cigar faces build up is okay he gets one scene of getting beat up and then getting away and then there's no like oh there's the scenes of cigar face planning his comeback he just shows up again later yeah and gets killed because and every other villain has even less than that they don't get two scenes they get their one scene they show up they show off their goofy shtick they get killed well i guess slug like, and what's his face and then okay, the chicks they, yes. they have more but they're they're part of his origin story so they Yes. Like this is, so what happens is the Toxic Avenger, it really is like they, they took a superhero film, but instead of doing like the origin story, then the sequel, they did the origin story, the sequel and the third movie all in the same one. They did the whole trilogy. Yes. They didn't need to do another one because you did, you did the origin story. Even though they do do four more. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Okay. But I'm just saying they didn't need to because they've already done the trilogy here because they have the, the progression with the 
you know, the uh, the setup and the backstory and that sort of conclusion. They have the, the middle one, which is like action heavy and him transitioning into something else. And they have the end one where he finally realizes that, no, maybe I'm not a monster. and Maybe I just need to settle down with the right woman. But yeah. I have to deal with these guys first. And that's that's. This is a better superhero trilogy than Nolan's Batman. Fight me. Because <laughs> no, it's funny, because as soon as you started to say they were his backstory, I immediately thought of Nolan's Batman. And I was like, oh, of course. Because he becomes Batman. He becomes the Toxic Avenger because of these guys. And then he runs off and fights other villains for a bit before coming back to Ra's al Ghul, who are, who are yes. Slug and our driver and the chicks. That's Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, while they have um, the other overarching bad guy in the last one, which is Bane. Yeah. I, I also, I really appreciate, too, that they take a minute near the end of the film to go, hey, what if we introduce moral ambiguity to Toxie? Because he kills the one woman who he then thinks he's killed an innocent person. Because everyone else he kills, he kills because he has an unstoppable urge to kill evil. Yeah. So he's just killing criminals, which also doesn't, that might be the one major goof, and I think it's intentional, is no, he doesn't. Because, yeah, admittedly, yes, he's running around killing evil people. But he's also like, he helps the old lady cross the street in the one scene. He doesn't kill anyone. There's no, there, he wasn't preventing any evil. Yes. It, it is just, no, Toxie's just a nice guy. Like he's a nice um, guy who also is drawn to evil like a magnet. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, clearly there's more to him than that because he, you know, he stops her for no, like he helps her just because, because, but then later he kills this woman. Um, and he has this whole thing like, Oh God, I might be coming becoming a monster because I killed someone who's not evil. And then you, the viewer find out via basically a throwaway line that actually this quaint little mother of two who seems totally nice has been running a white slavery ring. Toxie never finds it out. It's not just that the town doesn't, and it's a brief <laughs> impetus for maybe the town will turn against him, but no, because the whole town's basically like, well, he's helped us so many times. What? Well, we'll let this one slide. But even he never finds out he didn't do something wrong, but nobody cares. Yeah, Yeah, they still have to call in the whole National Guard because no one in the town will turn against him <laughs> right. other than the people who are already bad. It is entirely a throwaway for the viewer. It's like, oh, we wanted to give Toxie a small amount of depth, but we want to let you, the viewer at home, know that his depth is pointless because he still only kills villain. You are, you are okay to root for him, and it is good if you thought the little lady getting beat to death in a laundry machine and then pressed on an iron was awesome. That's okay. You don't have to have any guilt about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like that's a retroactive, hey, hey, they, they the filmmakers wink at you like, hey, remember when you cheered at that? It's okay. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're still the good guy, even if you didn't realize it. Um, yeah. I mean, this was just, yeah, again... Man, and again, there's another genre it is. This is this is just a Death Wish movie, but <laughs> funny. Okay, yes. funnier, because some of the Death Wish movies are funny, but not in an intentional way. I Look, I see what you're saying about the crackdown, but I don't know if I appreciate you saying it out loud, all right? Um, we say the quiet parts out loud here on this show. Uh, <laughs> you're sitting there. You ever think that maybe Charles Bronson just needed the money? You shut up, you whore. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, um, but okay, so I I don't know. I don't have any more to. I enjoy it for what it is. I actually I did. I enjoyed it for what it was, and I think that I was. And also too, it might have helped my my frame of reference because I I just had a, another child, and I was just after a long weekend, I was super tired, 
I wasn't in the mental space to watch anything that had any sort of like I wasn't gonna throw on like a Korean film. I wasn't gonna throw on like a Park Chan Wook thriller. Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna throw on something like that. And this filled that niche perfectly in such a way that even though I don't like '80s films that much, this made fun of them while still being a contemporary for me enough to look at it as, and it was darkly comedic as well and absurdist and not just like the whole, like, Oh, we're doing goofy eighties stuff. Like a lot of other eighties comedies that I don't like. This one was absurd, dark, and then had like moments where you're just like, what the fuck is happening (laughs) enough to make me in, keep me interested without basically any semblance of a plot. Yeah. Cause it moves so fast. It's cause it's a short movie. You know, and that's another thing I want to say. I really like, um, this is not really a compliment to Toxie in specific. It's a compliment to a certain kind of movie. There is a huge spot in my life for the kind of movie where I just want to unwind and watch a movie. I don't want to have to think too hard, and I don't want to have to read read subtitles. Yeah. Um, And that's the kind of place where, like, the Resident Evil films usually fit. But I think something like Toxie fits really well. But also, Toxie harkens back to one thing in old movies that I do wish we'd have more of. We really need more movies where the runtime is like an hour and a half or less. Yeah, we've been getting away from that, even with like comedy films. Even with superhero films. It's like, "Eh, this movie's two and a half hours long. It's like, yeah, but did it need to be? And yes, some movies do. I have gone back and watched some older movies and gone, man, this moves too fast for how much they're covering. Because at the time, that's how long movies were. But... It is like we're hitting the point where every film thinks it needs to be Ben-Hur and someone needs to tell directors, no, no, we're going to strap you to a chair and make you watch The Toxic Avenger and you're going to come out of it going, it's not that you have to make that movie. You don't have to make that style of movie. You just have to realize that, yes, the audience can have a great time in a shorter time period because I don't always have the bandwidth to sit through two hours and 15 minutes. Especially now when you have... The vast majority, I think, of people... I mean, because I have been to the movies this year. Actually, a startling amount of times, comparatively. But even that, like, I've been... I can count on one hand how many movies I've seen this year. I, I think it's actually been five. Okay. But, like, the majority of movies that you'll watch are going to be in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. And usually, like, on a device, in bed, whether that's the TV, a tablet, right. whatever. Right. I mean, you're probably not watching a movie on your phone, but, but you might depend. Think. Some of you are, uh, and I think that that is a big a big thing where I think you do need to have that market for a shorter runtime film. It just as a as a filler for like, hey, this is something that even if it's like a series of films, like, and you could even go so far as to say, well, what is that if not just a Netflix series of like forty five minute episodes? But sure, but that's a little different. That's a little different. It's because I'm it's still a, making more of a commitment. There. Yeah, you're making I'm not. You yeah. Know, you're committing to watch a story that goes whether or not there is a sequel that is complete. Yes. It's something to, as more and more people work from home and as I think a weird side effect of that, I think I might be wrong about this. I, I think people are having slightly more kids than they were for a bit because they're home. And so there's more time to fuck. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The uh... Why would you bang <laughs> on your own time when you can get paid to do it? Right. Um, but you know, when you're at home and you don't have to, for legal reasons, that's a joke. (laughs) You don't have to travel to and from work or whatever. Right. Um, a movie of this length, you can get away with on an extended lunch break. You can't do that with a longer movie. Also, if you have kids, 
the Toxic Avenger is a perfect family. Okay, it's not. There's a lot of boobs and a lot of, and a lot of murder. But the Toxic Avenger is a perfect people who have a family movie. Because when you have a family, you don't always have time to watch a longer movie because your family is demanding your attention. But a movie of this length, this is a movie for people who have a family. I'm going to start using that term. It's not a family movie. It's a movie for people with families. The amount of time you have to watch a movie is significantly curtailed. This is the amount of time you have. I hope you, you start expanding on that and then just, but never, but never tell people why. It's just a movie. Oh, Ichi the Killer. It's a movie for people who have families. And then no, just never no. explain it. The, the one, you, you picked the wrong example. The correct example would have been Dead or... Old Boy oh. is a movie for mm, people yes. who have families because that leaves a lot of possible implications oh. for what I oh, said. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. Um, um, wow. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Oh, so before we rate this, I, have, I guess I have two questions for you. One, okay. what was your favorite kill? Oh, all right. Am I supposed to put on my James A. Janice hat here? And like, this is the kill count. The golden chainsaw for the best kill. Um, oh, man. My favorite. Favorite or whatever you think was the best. I really, really... It's okay. This isn't... I think objectively, this isn't the best. But I think my favorite is when he makes the guy into the ice cream sundae. Because it takes so long... And even it's though the absurd. kill at the end is like almost pointless, there's actually compared to a lot of the other kills, there's very little blood, there's very little to it. But it's yeah that he takes the time to first put milk in his mouth, and then the ice cream, and then the chocolate and then the syrup, humming, and then the cherry, while he's and he's doing yeah, it. and like it's so. I think that's a great kill because it is so silly. The amount he puts into it when all of it's with everything after it's unnecessary it's again like that um, like the cop running away with the fire like it's literally yes. just somebody we, thought somebody this, would, thought be this would be cool yeah, yeah cool and then they did it um i have to agree i think that might be my favorite one although i do there is a certain sort of comeuppance you get when he kills the one chick uh who's like touching herself in the sauna over the oh. pictures of the dead kids and then he like he sneaks up and you're like is he gonna or is he gonna and you're not sure what he's gonna do because like wait he's got a girl back at home but is he just gonna murk her like what what are we doing here and then oh no the hot coals and then it leads into that one might be the most satisfying yeah oh that's definitely yeah Yeah, but i think my favorite one like uh, in the context of the film but i think my favorite one is just like the ice cream sundae kill is just it's too fun yeah (laughs) even though it drags on for forever you're like When's it going to happen? I When's think he going to do it? It's the perfect line, though, because if he had stopped with the chocolate syrup or the ice cream scoop, right? And not put the cherry on It would have been slightly too long. It would have been... The milk would have been the perfect length, but going all the way to the cherry, it goes over the too long hump and back to the... Oh, I get it. We're full on. The only thing that could have made it better is if he had sprinkled nuts on it. Like, yes. he just... Um, okay, he bagged so, him. Other question. Uh, so, if you were going to double feature this film with anything... What are you going to double feature this with? The Lion King. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a movie for families and a family <laughs> film. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if I was going to double feature this, that's a good question. And it would depend on what the audience, on who the audience was. L- let me give three answers. All right. Okay. And, and, I'll, and each one's for a different audience. If I was going, let's watch 80s action movies. I think it would be a good double feature with They Live. Mm, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, both are a lot of like, we're doing some subversion, 
And even though They Live is ultimately a serious movie, the trash can fight scene in the alley is the dumbest and most... It's a great scene, but it's the dumbest and most pointless fight scene ever filmed. Keith David and Ronnie Reddy Piper going at it over the fact that Keith David won't put a pair of sunglasses on. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. stupid. <laughs> and it goes on for so long. Yeah, it's um, it's the ice cream kill. It's the one scene where every time I watch They Live, I'm like, was this a joke? Like, this... He would have put the sunglasses on. No one would have, no human on earth would have gotten into a fight over this. Um, no matter how crazy you think your friend is, you don't think he's so crazy that he's giving you, what, a bomb in the sunglasses? They're sunglasses. You would have. Yes. Anyway, so that would be a good pairing if I was doing 80s action. If I was doing 80s horror, um, I was originally going to say Evil Dead, but that's not true. I would pair this with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh. Because um, it's the same kind of like, Goofy. Goofy. Um, and if and I it's was, got, uh, what's his face in it? Um, uh, Dennis Hopper, right? Dennis yeah. Hopper. And uh, I was thinking specifically the other guy who's in uh, the Rob Zombie films. Um, uh, who plays the brother in... Oh, God. He's the DJ in that, I think, right? Yes, I think he is in both, but now I don't know who he is. I don't remember his name it. now. I, <laughs> I can see his face. But they're he both, plays Otis they're in, both, in yeah. the... Uh, um, uh, the that trilogy the devil's rejects devil's rejects um, yeah they're both texas chainsaw 2 and this are both uh really over the top very quirky comedy despite being gory insanely 80s and also intentionally subversive to everything else going on in a way you know what i mean they're the same kind of movie that's coming out but they're also intentionally subverting a lot of it um Plus the I'm holding two chainsaws, watch me fight Leatherface scene in Texas Chainsaw 2 is so very like the same kind of scene we have here. Yeah. So uh, and then the third option would be if I was showing it to someone and doing a let's do the progression of film, then I would show it with Hubble with a shotgun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So it would, ju it would just depend on the audience. I, I think, though, if I had to pick just one, I'd probably pick Texas Chainsaw 2 because I just think they are. The only weakness of that pick is. You might have somebody go, well, I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw 1. And then you'd have to sit and explain to them that it's okay. You don't have to see 1 to see 2. They're not <laughs> they're not even the same genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so I haven't seen, I've, I've seen enough, like, and I've, I've heard enough about 2 that I feel like I've seen enough of it. Because I've, I've gone through and I looked at scenes of it before. Okay, so it's yeah, it's, it's just like it's... Texas Chainsaw where I've, I've basically seen the movie without sitting down and seeing it, right? Okay. Like, I've seen yeah. scenes from it. I've seen this and that. But, yeah, I know that it's not... The, the further you get on in the TCM series, until you start getting into the remakes, it just... It's it's not one. Well, and, the, and there's... You gotta be fair about that. Two is a totally different film than anything else in the series. Two's a screwball, schlocky comedy with Leatherface in it. Three is at least attempting to be a sequel to Texas Chainsaw 1. But that's obviously why we've now don't like that's why we don't have the same director and everything anymore. Toby Hooper is not there because Toby Hooper was clearly done. Yes. In fact, when he made two, you can tell he was done with Texas Chainsaw because it's not the same movie. It's a comedy. Hmm. Not even like a little. It's a com it's Texas Chainsaw 2 is closer to the Devil's Rejects than it is not the Devil's Rejects, closer to House of a Thousand Corpses than it is to Texas Chainsaw. Hmm. Just straight up. Um I can dig it. Uh, if I, while you were, while you were giving me all those good options, I think I've, I've come up with one here. Uh, I want to keep it maybe into the creature feature. 
Okay. Uh, but instead of doing the creature feature with a, um, maybe a, like, that's sort of a mindless creature feature, I want to do, like, a more serious sort of uh, creature feature that has a gut punch at the end instead of a, here's one. So you can either show, you can show them in, in two different ways. You can show the first one, the more serious one, first, and then okay. you show the Toxic Avenger as a palate cleanser. Okay. Or you show the Toxic Avenger first, making people think that you're in for a goofy night of funness, and then you end on just the a down punch. note, on a gut punch. Yeah. Uh, but it's Bong Joon-ho's, uh, uh, not Parasite, um, I wanted to say Parasite, but the it's the host. host. You know, for a minute, as you were saying, I thought you were going to say The Shape of Water and go, because in both of them, a chick fucks the creature. But, oh, I uh, didn't think about that. But I, I haven't seen The Shape of Water, but uh, um, yeah, that could... Neither have I, but that's all I know about it. It's the movie where the chick bangs the man. <laughs> like, it doesn't even... Uh, I should, like... It's a critically acclaimed film, and all I know about it is a chick bangs a Burmese. Uh, whatever. Uh, the host is a great... Ch you know, it's funny. Um, I watched A Monster Calls recently, uh, and after watching it, I had this moment of, what's a really... What's another really... Because Monster Calls has a giant monster in it. it, it it's, a, it's a kaiju movie, but kaiju stuff does not happen. Yes. And it made me go, what are other good giant monster movies that subvert the way giant monster movies normally go? The host, the host is a good one. <laughs> I recently and this was like yesterday. I was yeah. having this thought, so it's funny that's the one you bring up. I probably I rewatched that. I want to say like two or three months ago. The host, just because I'm like, man, I want to rewatch this because I watched like a couple of other Bong Joon Ho films, and I'm like, oh man, I want to revisit uh, this because I loved it. I I think for your pairing, you should do Toxie first because the host it starts off a little funny. Yes. And you think it's going to be a comedy. Yes. So people and then, will think you definitely have kept this theme going. Yes. that That's the one reason why I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Is you, you take, you go Toxic Avenger into the host. Yes. Because the host definitely tricks you into thinking it's a comedy until the very moment when it is not. Yeah. And then from that point on, it's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there are some comedic there, there's moments. some beats, there are but beats. it's still very much like it is. I did not come here for the emotional investment you have forced me to have. Um, it's like, yeah, you, you didn't go there for it, but you stayed there because of it. Yes, um, absolutely. And that's why I think Toxie and the host would work so well together. Oh, that's a good pairing. I'm behind that. I'm behind that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess with that rating on a scale of zero to five snake pluskins. I'm a sucker for 80s movies and... I really thoroughly had fun with it. On subsequent watchings, this would go down because pure fun movies don't last as, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Especially subsequent too close together. But as like an individual like, yeah, no, this is a, a blast of a way to blow some hours on my weekend. Um, I'll say, I'm going to say four. I'm a generous man. Yeah, that's, that's, that is pretty generous. I'm, I'm fluctuating between a couple numbers, but I think I'm ultimately going to end up on 3.5. Okay. Because this okay. was a very good, fun movie. I don't think that I would, like you said, I don't know that I'd watch it again, and I don't know that I'd enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it this time, unless I'm with a group of people, because this is very much a... Oh, yeah, a group of people, get a group some of people together. Yeah. yeah. Or you do it with, like, you know, like you said, you, you get a people together for a double feature. This is one of them. People, this is the warm-up movie, right? Like, yeah, People yeah. are getting into the, into settling down, calming down from talking, you watch some like, and then punctuated by like, oh yeah, did you hear about what happened to so-and-so last week? Oh yeah, yeah. Did that guy just get his hands deep fried? Yes. <laughs> also, there's one last thing I do want to say uh, before we go, but I am giving it a 3.5. Okay. Um, okay. Out of five I snake pluskins. 
the I was actually impressed with how well choreographed the the fight scene in the diner with the dude who clearly was just a fucking ninja. Oh, and then he pulled the katana off the wall. He had the nunchucks and the katana. That was actually, I thought, like, you know what? This is, I've seen some kung fu films that were probably, had some scenes in it that were below this grade. I think that's a great point. But I also think that scene still fits in the, these are people who love movies making a movie. Yes, Because as good as he is with every weapon, he uses each one for long enough for you to see how cool it is, then loses it and makes no attempt to get it back. Like, when he goes and gets the katana, the weapon he had previously is closer to him than that was. Uh-huh. Like, this is just so you know he can do all the ninja things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a shockingly, there's a few moments in it where it's like, where did they get someone to, who, who can either act this well or do a stunt this well? And then on the flip side, you'll look at another character and go, but this is clearly like, you ran into this dude on the street while you were filming and went, we need an extra. You want to be Yeah, this is your friend's cousin who was yeah. along for the ride. Yeah. Um, though there are also a few in it moments of, I've seen that dude. Yes. Like uh, the dude snorting the uh, the drugs in the toxic truck at the beginning. The one who's saying they shouldn't stop. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know where he's from. Uh, he, that's just but I've it. seen him. You've seen him. I can tell you, I know he's in Idi- an Idiocracy. Mm. um he's one of those guys who he's in a bunch of movies and he usually plays the dorky often unnamed loser guy on the side but there's like a bunch of people like that where i'm like i've seen you in like a million things you're yeah. not a big name but i know no, you. you 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 know and them. this is probably also where you started marissa tomei was in the towel but no but the towel did not fall down yes just we to... did not have marissa tomei boobs in this yeah unfortunately um although we... i guess you know she looks cute in a towel so take that as you will there were I mean, there were look if, listeners at home if you're like well i'm not watching it now there are boobs yeah it's i think four of them not four four individual boobs four individual are you counting sets or are you count no like one like one boob two boob red boob blue boob like you have two boob if you're one person you have except in total recall two boob so (laughs) i'm saying there were two topless women in this film okay so there are four boobs there may have been a fifth boob this is not as someone who saw a lot of later trauma movies first it was i was surprised with how little yes this is typical this is like 80s comedy boobs it's like we threw some in here to let you know you're we're one of the guys it's like yeah the um uh, like that scene from airplane where it's just like the boobs flashing in front of you and then walking away yes this is not like if you go watch for anyone who's seen later uh trauma films or if you've been thinking about later trauma films this is not like poultry geist where it opens with an extended fingering scene this just that's not happening (laughs) extended (laughs) fingering (laughs) it's all right before anybody thinks it, it's okay. It's a butthole. <laughs> so they won't get pregnant. It's a, it's a guy's butthole, I think. I don't, re- I don't remember much. I just remember the whole time going, what the fuck? Who greenlit this? And then you remembered <laughs> it's a trauma film. <laughs> it's... It was traumatic is what it was. I don't think I... I think I blocked parts. I wonder if I ever finished it or if I've just blocked it out of my head. Anyway, unlike that, I finished this one and I enjoyed it. This is, again, this is a film for families, but not a family film. I like that. Uh, and I guess with that said, we'll see you in the next one. Catch uh, the newest episode of our our other show, All Downhill, 
Fuck off. Um, no, no uh, that should be... I can't give a date because that'll date this episode. So I can't do that. If... What we'll do is after this episode comes out, all right? Listeners at home, what I'm going to do is I'm going to telegraph from my brain to yours the date the All Downhill episode will be released so that based on when this comes out, you'll know if it already came out or if it's like next week. Yeah, uh, the link will be in the show notes. Just check back in like a year. We might have one or two more episodes. <laughs> I'll give you the date, but not on record. Okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Match. Well, with that said, go check that out. Um, go check out uh, Patrick on Twitter. He never posts, but sometimes he posts funny things. Uh, I'll put his handle <laughs> in the show notes. And then um, we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Later. And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show, and I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, you like that. Plus, plus at the time. He was a monster. Like that. Plus, plus at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license.